equities in the US have taken a hit over concerns that President Biden is set to double capital gains tax for the wealthy. It's not a total surprise because it was an election promise, sort of. And after the Bank of Canada talked tapering of bond purchases, the ECB was asked the same question. What was their response? More on that in a moment. And it's a day for PMIs. Europe, the UK, the US, all out this evening and tonight. It's Friday, the 23rd of April, 2021. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Yes, a fall in shares in the United States. The Nasdaq and Dow both down 0.9%. The S&P 500 losing 1%. But a different story on the other side of the Atlantic. The Eurostox 50 up 1% and a 0.6% rise in the FTSE 100. It's all to do with the timing of the closure of the exchanges, as we'll come to in a second. The US dollar is back on the rise again, up 0.2% on the DXY. The Aussie and the pound are the biggest losers on that, about 0.6% down each. The euro is down 0.2% as well. Very little bond movement. And oil is up a bit. 0.4% up for Brent. Uh, So it's mainly equities and currencies today. Gavin Friend has been watching it all, what's happening from NAB in London. And uh, there's no doubt if you are wealthy in America, earning a million dollars or more, you will be paying more tax unless you've got a really good accountant, uh, with uh, Joe Biden reportedly set to announce a capital gains tax rate of uh, just under 40%, which is double what it is now. And that's what's been driving stocks down on Wall Street, isn't it? Very clearly. Yeah, good morning, Phil. Uh, Clearly, um, for most of the day, it's worth saying most of Thursday, it's been pretty positive, actually. And this news broke. Uh, It's a Bloomberg story. Uh, They're citing people uh, familiar with the story. It's it's so at this point it's not been corroborated, um, but as you say, it's certainly taken the the wind out of uh, out of the equity market. I mean, Europe had closed uh, just up nearly one percent uh, prior to that uh, news break, um, but uh, clearly. Um, yeah, stocks are in a world of pain at the moment. Yeah, and yet we knew that, I mean, you know, it was an election manifesto, wasn't it? I mean, maybe it's the size of it that's taken people by surprise, but, you know, it's not a total surprise that he's going to tax the wealthy. I mean, that was very much part of uh, yeah, his, his election promise. It was. I mean, we'd heard up to this point uh, proposals for corporate tax hikes, of course. We'd heard of proposals for income or capital gains tax hikes for individuals earning over $400,000. This seems to be taking the bar higher for even uh, more wealthy Americans. Um, And, um, I mean, we'll wait to see. But Biden is expected to release these proposals more formally next week as part of his plans to fund social spending. Um, And we'll have to wait and see. I would would point out that, you know, until it's confirmed, it's not given that this will weigh on the market going forward. Markets also have this narrative of a global recovery, uh, thanks in part to, you know, economies opening up, to Europe getting back onto its vaccination program and those kinds of things. And that's a pretty powerful force. So we'll have to see uh, which which plays out. At the same time, of course, the news on the virus in some parts of the developing world is not very good at all. Uh, particularly, you know, hearts and minds go out to what's going on in India at the moment. 314,000 new cases today in one day alone. I mean, it's just tragic. And that, I mean, the concerns about that, obviously not just for the people of India, but also, you know, how many mutant strains is this going to spread elsewhere? So the uh, the UK has reported they've got a number of cases which have come from India and they've just added India to the red zone. So basically, if you're Indian, uh, you can't fly to the UK at all. Uh, and if you're uh, a Brit returning from India, you've got to go into uh, quarantine. Uh, so all of this, of course, adds to 
doesn't it? Globally, to the uncertainty about the timing of getting back to normal. I suspect that's why oil seems to be... Oil isn't sure where to head right now, because obviously it's not sure, people aren't sure exactly about the speed of the recovery and the attitude seems to have been over the last week that well maybe it's going to be a bit slower than we thought yes it's a push me pull you story isn't it i mean i would say in terms of the uk and the us you know the lockdowns the vaccinations in particular have been very successful in you know pressing down on new infections the uk down now from over 900 uh, infections a day at the start of the year to less than 50. Of course, the UK now is in, is in the Petri dish in terms of the world is looking at it to see how it manages to, uh, you know, it come out of that situation through this phased uh, reopening of the economy, very gradual. But of course, we know as night follows day, as it does that, infections will rise again. I mean, they simply have to. The hope is that they will remain at a low level thanks to increasing rate of uh, vaccinations and people continuing to observe social distancing protocol until that isn't the case um, at the back end of June. Um, and so, you know, when you when you you read across to what's going on in parts of the developed world, de- developing world story like India, you know, there isn't really we hope there isn't too much of a risk there because borders remain closed. Um, but it does show, you know, it does but, show, doesn't it, that to get this thing licked around the world, there's got to be a lot of vaccines and it won't totally go away until all those countries are, you know, are, are vaccinated as well. That's right. About- that's right. But I think from an economic point of view, it just reinforces the point that borders will remain closed because it's such, we cannot afford to spread this around. And therefore, what does that do? It adds to all the supply chain issues. It, you know, it doesn't help global trade and all of those kinds of things yeah. so so we're back to where we are and all that transitory inflation that we've been talking about which is you know a big chunk of that is because of those supply chain issues that that, that might be around with us for a while mightn't it we'll we'll see and the other thing is as well is you know we look at the other indicators that we'd hope would be moving faster u.s jobless claims for example they are taking a long time to get back to normal they did fall for the week of uh, the 17th of april uh, and there was an expectation they may rise slightly, but still over half a million new claims in the week. Uh, it's taken a long time, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, down down 39,000 to 547,000. So we're going under 600 now, down nearly 200,000 in the past two weeks. We know that the numbers are noisy, but we know that the trend is in the right is, is in the right direction, lower. As you say, it's going to take it's going to take uh, quite some time yet. Yeah. Well, everything's heading in the right direction. It's just heading slowly, isn't it? It seems in uh, in the developed world. So we had the ECB meeting. Now, rather than talking about uh, uh, ramping up bond purchases, which was the theme of the last meeting, there were questions about whether they were going to actually slow them down, presumably because, of course, the, the Bank of Canada early in the week, they were uh, talking about, uh, because they were rolling out uh, vaccines, they were talking about uh, and the recovery was much faster than they expected. They upped their GDP forecast. They were talking about tapering. So uh, because Europe's doing well with vaccines, I think there was an expectation that maybe they'd do the same, but they didn't really promise that, did they? No, and, and, and I think the th- a third element there was that uh, one or two of the ECB hawks, Klaus uh, Knott from uh, the Dutch Central Bank in particular, um, you know, had been out on the wires a couple of weeks ago talking about the idea that uh, the ECB could possibly phase back some of this bond buying as early as Q3. And so you're absolutely right. Um, the, it, it's strange. Six weeks ago, the ECB talked about ramping up uh, the pace, significantly the, the pace of, uh, of, of bond purchases to sort of, you know, thwart unwanted and unwarranted rises in yields that seemed to be pretty successful even if your and my version of of um 
significant uh, uh, rises in, in, in purchases may not be the same thing. Um, but in the end, yes, there was no way really. You, you couldn't have a, cr- a credible central bank that would come out just six, six weeks later and say, we're off that, we're moving to uh, the other side of the equation of phasing down bond purchases. Well, they that, sort of are, they, think, in a way, in that, they are sort of are in a way, aren't they? Because they're, they're going to say, well, we might stop front-loading. So if we're going to stop front-loading. That means they're going to buy less. Isn't that the same thing as tapering? <laughs> well, no. Well, no. I think I think they they, they want to to maintain this this flexible approach. Um, there, there will be no formal change in this away from the more aggressive pace until we get to the June tenth meeting. I think at that point, you know, as long as the vaccination thing continues to play out in the right direction, as long as the economy starts to reopen, uh, we can think about an ECB that will have a new set of much more. Uh, a shiny new set of much more opt- optimistic forecasts, and it can then say for the next quarter, Q3, those bond purchases needn't be so high and start dialing it back. But it can't say it now, um, and that's why. I mean, it's typically, you know, a typically a cautious response from a central bank that is only just starting to see the vaccination pro- progress go in the way that it wants. And well, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, the Bank of Canada might have been overly hawkish as well, mightn't they? Because we we don't know. But if we if we look at uh, a couple of numbers out of out of Europe, so the consumer confidence read is a little bit better than expected, but it's still minus 8.1 rather than minus 11 that was expected. So consumer confidence, I mean, it's still well down. And then that ECB report, which must be concerning for them, that we've we've talked about in a previous edition, about banks tightening their lending, credit being down in Q1, and and actually uh, tightening their lending for Q2. And you've obviously got to have money to invest to uh, to stage a recovery, so um, businesses need to go for growth. They they do, but I would caution that you listen to Christine Lagarde uh, on Thursday, and she she didn't really want to overplay that uh, the tightening of the credit conditions in the banks. Uh, it's it's it was fairly modest, and overall. The level of financial uh, conditions remains, um, you know, remains very easy. So the Teltro take up, the third uh, Teltro take up, looks to have been pretty high overall. The you know, I think the I think the ECB is is quite happy where those conditions are at the moment. I wouldn't want to overplay that. Mm. All right, well, it's uh, all over the next uh, six weeks to see what happens uh, with uh, with infection numbers and vaccine rollouts. Uh, the same thing everywhere in the world, isn't it? What happens once you've done both of those things? Look, uh, lots of numbers to day that are PMIs. It's a PMI-a-thon today. We've got them for the Eurozone, separately for Germany, of course. We get them for the UK and the US. PMIs for services and manufacturing. So it's services, in I mean, they all need to increase, but services in Europe in particular, we need to see those ramp up, don't we? Yeah, okay, so these are the uh, the flash numbers, the pre, pre the preliminary numbers for the month of April. We won't get the uh, the full month's breakdown until the beginning of uh, beginning of next month, May. Um, and to your point, yeah, I mean, this the story story here is that Germany uh, is thereby leading European manufacturing. The growth there, activity there is stronger than it is in the US. Um, this is a, the pandemic is a, service, is a hit to the services economy. You're right that services does need to pick up its lagging a little bit in the, in, in the Eurozone compared to the US, but that's the nature of the, of, the, of the economy. You know, when we saw back in the sort of era of the Trump trade wars, it was Germany that got hit because it's a big trading powerhouse. This time around, Europe and Germany are not service-led economies. They are uh, manufacturing-led economies, and so they're doing quite well. And so, you know, I think that's going to be a good news story for the next few days, and it can help counter some of this stuff that's coming out of the the US at the moment in terms of uh, the tax hikes. The market may well take the view that the global reflation 
story after these numbers is good mm. and we'll wait to see what we will see on the tax side yeah i mean it would be too early wouldn't it to say people were cashing in their stocks because they're trying to uh, claim the uh, claim the money back before capital gains hits because we have no timetable for it that would be a little bit premature i would have thought yeah so but don't forget the uh, the story on stock markets this morning is is that uh, you know valuations are stretched already stock markets have come a, come a long way it's a very easy story for people to want to take something off the table uh, i just think that's a hard sell if the global economy continues to improve the reflation story continues to have legs yeah absolutely well we'll see what next week brings it's always interesting isn't it we are in this sort of no man's land where no one's really quite sure what we're direction we're heading maybe we'll get more uh, more information uh, next week we'll get the pmis that'll provide a bit more fuel as well great to talk uh, we'll catch you again soon thanks gavin thank you phil and uh, Anzac Day on Sunday, of course, which means for most of Australia, when it falls on a weekend, there's no uh, public holiday on the Monday. So we will be back on Monday as usual. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. Uh, enjoy the weekend and uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening.